Welcome back to the podcast, episode 87. As always, you're here with your host, Hoop and Saney. Um, today's deep dive is on Jimmy Butler, and I'm so glad that we got so much feedback from our other episodes. This is a series that is so much fun to continue, especially with someone so like fun. Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as good as the feedback is, Hoop, there are some negatives that we need to address right now. Now, I told you before the episode, kind of give us a quick second. Now, this is a Jimmy Butler deep dive. We're going to get into it. Just give me a minute, okay? Now, if you listen to the last episode, Kyrie deep dive, okay? We do this thing on Spotify where we do like a poll and we ask a question on the poll. We have the viewers answer. Now, here's what our question was. Who was the better player in Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving or James Harden? 79% of you said Kyrie Irving. God bless America. That that is crazy to me. <laughs> 204 people said Kyrie and only 53 said James Harden. Now, who made a great point? Uh, at least 257 people voted. 100. Yeah, that, that was like, you know what? Fair enough. That's pretty dope. Yeah. But how did 204 of you think Kyrie Irving was a better player in Brooklyn? You know what? Fair enough. Hey, Everybody's subject to their own opinion. That bag let's deeper, just though. That bag deeper, though. Uh, sure, but, you know, that vaccine needle isn't deep at all, and he wasn't even <laughs> playing. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Come I'm on. playing. I don't care that he didn't get the vaccine. I don't care that he didn't get the vaccine. I'm just joking. I'm just saying he didn't play for, like, half the time he was there, and James Harden was an MVP caliber player in Brooklyn. That's, we forget my, that. We my forget point that. would have been that Harden was playing an MVP level. That's, yes, that's where I was. I was making a joke. Him. I'm not actually, I don't yeah. care about the vaccine. Don't think I'm a vaccine merchant here. But anyway, um, another thing I want to point out, and real quick before we get into the episode, we're going to start right now. Uh, we appreciate all the feedback again on Spotify. It gives you this feature to um, basically give feedback on the episode. Not only have we gotten love, but we've gotten constructive criticism, which we also really appreciate. And we're going to try and implement everything you guys critique for us because we want to get better. Uh, but if you could please just leave a little bit of a response. We read them all. Um, it, they're so dope to read. The comments on YouTube have been awesome to read as well. Uh, make sure to interact. We always have a poll on these episodes now. We're going to have one. Uh, related to this episode. We usually make them at the end of the episode, so I don't know what the question will be, but it will be related to Jimmy Butler for sure. Um, but we really appreciate everybody who's been interacting with the episodes. It helps out, helps us out a lot. And also make sure to give us a rating on Spotify, five stars and Apple Music. <laughs> and subscribe on YouTube, five stars. <laughs> but uh, if we want to just jump in the episode now. You got a little sum in your throat there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'm coming down with <laughs> five stars. But... Uh, Starting off with the draft again for Jimmy Butler, I think this is our third EP in a row where we're in 2011. Uh, we did Kyrie and Whoa, Kawhi Leonard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Jimmy was 30. That is, I believe, the lowest we've done so far. Because I think Kawhi was the lowest beforehand. He was 15. Yeah. Um, the Bulls were 62 wins in 2011. Um, so they didn't have a great pick. They had the 30th. Um to put it in comparison to like other guys who were drafted around that zone in the late first, early second, you had guys like Norris Cole, Corey Joseph, Bojan Bogdanovich. So this is not the lottery, you know. Bogdanovich big... is, all, is solid. No, I'm saying he's solid, but as a draft prospect, he looks like yeah, an yeah. ice cream man. You know, like uh, with with all due respect, um, that that's just where Jimmy was drafted out of Marquette. He was solid, um, but not a lottery pick. The comparison to him was actually Luol Deng, um, which is funny enough since Jimmy was drafted to the Bulls where Luol Deng was there. Um, Tom Thibodeau was obviously a very defensive-oriented coach, uh, and Jimmy Butler in his scouting report, it was said he had a very high motor. Um, I have it here. I mean, compared to lottery picks, is not as extensive, but it says his strengths here is a well-rounded forward with great qualities for a future role player. Solid athlete with nice overall quickness, great length, pause, extremely active on ends of the both ends of the court, impressive player in transition, uses his good strength and body control to finish plays around the rim. That's pretty good aside from the role player part. That's not that's not that bad. I want to slip in real quick um, that I genuinely thought Norris Cole was going to be a superstar. That was my hot take as like a sixth grader. <laughs> that was my first ever terrible take of my life. By the way, I want I want that to. I remember thinking Mario Chalmers is in is in for uh is in for <laughs> a hell of a time when Norris Cole shows up. <laughs> that was that was my ideology behind Norris Cole. I don't know why. I think I just cooked up with him on like 2K13, and I was like, that's him. That's the guy. Well, you know how uh, 
you know, everyone knows the Cleveland and Golden State role players from their finals runs because they were on TV so much. That's what it was with Miami. You had yeah. Birdman, you had Shane Battier, Mike Miller, like Cole. all those dudes were <laughs> overly Norris rated Cole. in 2K because they were in the playoffs all the time. Shout out to yeah. Doris Cole. Nah, um, I did. Big shouts to Doris Cole. He had the Iman Shumper <laughs> Cup before Iman Shumper had it. You know what I'm talking about? The flat top? That, the flat top. He was yeah. the OG flat top guy. <laughs> People forget that. He's the OG. <laughs> That looked like that, like a the eraser on a pencil. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Man, we always got some random. Like, I wonder. It's not even. If you're listening, it's not even about the no, deep dives. Last fresh. episode, it was. I was it was Ramon. Was... It was Ramon Sessions, and now Hoops going after Norris Cole. No, like, it's am... not even like we might as well. You know, what we should start doing like slipping in a little tiny picture of the player, some random player yeah, this yeah. in the corner now. So you're gonna well, see a little picture of Norris Cole. Can I can, can I please say the Iman Shepherd? So I know we're getting we're getting so off track. Yeah, but yeah. I we was, always do. It's okay. <laughs> I was a, I was a sixth grader, and at my school they did a uh, a fitness competition ran by someone outside of the school. And uh, born and raised in New York, the prize was tickets to a Knicks game. I won them. I went to the game. They the bro they put me on center court to receive that big trophy right there. If you see it on YouTube, it's right there. Big trophy. I got it from uh, Larry Johnson and Anthony Mason. They presented it to me. I had no idea who they were at the time. I was in sixth grade. But I saw Iman Shumpert there. This was a time where Mello, Stat, they were all in New York. They were implied because it was the last game of the season. They were like load managing or injured, whatever. JR dropped 30. But Iman Shumpert, before the game, I was like courtside. Um, I wasn't sitting courtside, but like I was just there before the game. I asked him for a signature and he said, hold up. Let me get a few shots up first. Never came back. I still wow. love you though. I, I still love him though. Wow. That that wow. that hurt though. That hurt wow. though. Wow. Wow. And you know what? I you feel know like what's he genuinely crazier? just forgot. I think he genuinely forgot. Well, you know what's crazier is he went to sign another kid's ball. Wow. Right after. Oh, that was crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. But uh, shout nah, out. Get back Shumper. to the before the tears start flowing. Let's get back to Jimmy Butler. Um. So I have nothing else to say about the draft. Um. But the Bulls, when Jimmy arrived, were in no need of a rookie. Um, they won 62 with MVP Derek Ruiz the year before, and they're going into the next year with the same championship aspirations. It was a lockout year, uh, so their record was 50 and 16, um, as opposed to playing the full 82. They were the first seed. Derek Rose only played 39 games. Um, he battled with injuries throughout the season, which isn't really talked about. It's the fact that in the first uh, I guess I should mention Jimmy. He's just in the background at this point. He played 42 games, all off the bench, no real contributions. He was like two points a game, something like that. Like no low minutes, nothing. So I'm really just talking about the Bulls to give you guys context. Um, when average the, eight minutes, I believe. Yeah, something like that. When uh, Derek was in the game for some reason, up 12 in the game one against the eighth seeded Sixers. This is like the Igadala Blue Will. Uh, Evan Turner, that team. He tore his ACL with a minute 20 left in the fourth. The Bulls were up by 12. Um, shout out Tom Thibodeau. But I will say this. I didn't realize that season he only played 39 games. I do have the injury history with D-Rose, um, where in that season he had sprained his big left toe twice. He strained his lower back. He had a groin injury. He sprained his right ankle. And then he was out with a foot injury like a week before the torn ACL. So there was a lot of things he was getting banged up for. That was probably, you know, still uh, a lot to do with the decision-making of the head coach. But uh, needless to say, like, that's why the Bulls kind of fell apart that year. They were playing I didn't the know eighth. all those injuries. Me neither. That's cool to know. Me that's neither. That's cool to know. So that season, like, I mean, he didn't average what he, what's expected to of a, of a you know, previous finals or MVP. Um but that's what happened with the playoffs. They were still the first seed. Um, they were like on track to really give a challenge to the Miami Heat. Um, but they ended up losing in six to the 76ers because they just had no one on the court. Uh, shout out Lou Dang, Carlos Boozer, Joakim Noah. But uh, ain't, ain't no offense coming from that bunch, bro. <laughs> ain't no offense coming from that bunch. If Joakim Noah's pulling up on you, you you're good. Go get the board. <laughs> uh, <laughs> playing. That's yes. so deep. That's so disrespectful. I, we all we all saw that video of uh, that jumper he took on the Knicks, though. That was, man, I'd be in the NBA doing stuff like that, bro. Uh, um, second year, 
Jimmy Butler is now starting a couple games at the end of the year. He played all 82. Um, because Derrick Rose is out for this season, it, it said he could have been cleared in March, which I didn't realize there was negative media around him when he didn't return in March, but he was basically saying, you know, I need full time to recover, um, which is the right thing to do. I don't know why people were pushing him. Um, they, the Bulls signed Kirk Heinrich for that year, Captain Kirk. Someone who's been with the Bulls for a while, but was gone for a bit. Now he's back in his early 30s. Uh, they also signed Nate Robinson, who was a Bulls legend for the 2013 season. They still got Carlos Boozer, Luol Deng, Joakim Noah. They had Richard Hamilton, Marco Bellinelli, Taj Gibson, uh, and Kyle Korver just left. So that kind of opened up a sliver of a spot for uh, Jimmy Butler, who was a shooting guard at the time. Let's say that shooting guard. So he played off the bench, played really well. Um, this was a full season. This was not the lockout. So the Bulls went 45 and 37 without Derrick Rose at all. Um, and Jimmy Butler, by the end of the year, became a regular starter due to other uh, injury issues. Um, he was starting over Bellinelli for that two spot. And uh, he was playing alongside Luol Dang. So as an offense, this would, this would never work today. But they had Heinrich, Butler, Dang, uh, Boozer, and Joakim Noah. So two, right? Maybe three, like, not, just not hearing three that lineup. Just hearing that lineup just shows me how far the NBA has come in 10 years. It screams 2012. That little... <laughs> that actually screams Michael Jordan on a 2K cover. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but going into that, those playoffs, because they were still a playoff team without Derrick Rose, because they were an incredible defense. Um, the playoff lineup was Heinrich, Butler, Dang, Boozer, Noah. And in the first round, the Bulls were the fifth seed. They beat the fourth-seeded Nets in seven. Uh, the Nets at the time had Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, uh, young Brooke Lopez. In game four, I, I got to explain this because Jimmy like played well during the playoffs, but I'm basically, the Bulls have a crazy injury history in this time. Um, in game four, the Bulls go up 3-1 after winning 142 to 134 in triple overtime. Kirk Heinrich who's like 32 years old, played 60 minutes and could not play the rest of the playoffs due to a calf injury. He was in a walking boot. Tibbs fried his leg off. Then, hold up, hold up. The next game, after game five, Luol Dang is out for the playoffs because he had flu-like symptoms and had a spinal tap procedure done at a hospital, which not only went like a little wrong, his life was literally put in danger. I read. I'm not going to go into it because I I, uh, I was too lazy to learn what a spinal. This tap isn't is. a Luol Deng deep dive, but this shout out to Luol Deng for surviving. <laughs> shout out Luol Deng, but uh, like that playoff run, they had beaten the Nets in seven, without uh, eventually without Heinrich and Deng, two starters, when they were already down Derrick Rose, and then they have to go and play the Heatles, uh, where Nate Robinson helps them take Game One, and Jimmy Butler played all 48 minutes Game One. Like this was like. Bro, Chicago must have been so... I mean, it should have been, like, really stressful and painful, but it would have been fun to be a Chicago fan at that time because, like, everyone was just stepping up. You got a 32-year-old Heinrich playing, like, one leg at 60 minutes a game. Like, yeah, that's just a team full of dogs. Um, Remember that one argument we had about Tibbs? Do you yeah. still do you still think I'm wrong? Well, since he's my coach, I got to <laughs> defend him. But, like, quit. if he wasn't it your was coach, about would, you still agree, would you agree with me now? This is for no, OG the podcast fans. No, because okay, we're not gonna get no, into it. Okay, Quinn I respect Grimes you is, staying ten toes. I respect <laughs> you staying ten toes. <laughs> Quinn no, we're not gonna talk about years it. Old. Jimmy Butler, years old. Jimmy so Butler, some. deep dive. I respect you staying ten toes. Um, but back to this, uh, the playoff lineup against the Heat was Nate Robinson, Marco Bellinelli, Jimmy Butler, Carlos Boozer, Joakim Noah. Um, Jimmy Butler guarded LeBron really well. They lost in five games, of course, because of the talent. But the Bulls stuck out game one with 27 points from Nate Robinson. Jimmy Butler had 21 points, 14 rebounds. This is from the season before. Jimmy Butler was still barely playing at all. Right. Um, and he really grabbed the starting spot late in the season and then kept it throughout the playoffs. He started every game in the playoffs, healthy or not. Um, and throughout those 2013 playoffs, Jimmy ended up averaging 13-5-3, and three, a steal, yeah. really good defense. Uh mm -hmm. On 43, 40, 81. He took three three-pointers a game, which um, I was a little surprised by because the Bulls needed as much spacing as they could get. So I think he was just chucking. But, uh, going into that third year, this is the, the the last year before we get into um, 
kind of the rise of stardom. Jimmy Butler, I mean, he took off a lot slower compared to other guys, and there's going to be more background to this third year that Saney is going to go into. Um, but Derrick Rose only plays 10 games. Uh, he he comes in the beginning of the season healthy, yeah. but he tore his meniscus against the Blazers on November 22nd. So Captain Kirk is playing heavy minutes starting again. Uh, Tibbs loves him. He was a really good defender. They also Dude, brought Kirk in... Kirk is the is a G, bro. I love Kirk. Kirk is a dog, like, is he can play dog. today too, because he can really them goggles, shoot it. bro. Wow, yeah. You don't know um, about you don't if you don't know about Kirk Heinrich. Go go educate Captain yourself. Kirk. Um, the Bulls also brought in Mike Dunleavy to play alongside Jimmy dog. Butler. Dog. Um, <laughs> Butler was once again the, the shooting guard, and then the the two bigs, Boozer and Noah. Um, Luol hey. Deng was also still there for twenty three games until he was traded to the Cavaliers. It yep. says, uh, may, me. I mean, I was really young when this happened, and I did not figure out what actually happened. The article I saw said they traded for Andrew Bynum. He never played a game as a... As I think a he probably just got released because that was when Bynum was just like trash. Not, it was not only tra- like, like two sorry, years like after. <laughs> yeah, I know. He got like injured. Two years like, after his all-star. He had though. the quickest fall-off like ever. Yeah. Bynum had one of the quickest fall-offs I've ever seen from so a it was really, was... It was really just a dump even though Dang was really good. Um, yeah. They also brought in Tony Snell. Taj Gibson was still there. They had TJ Augustine and they lost Nate Robinson. Despite that, this year... The Bulls are still 48 and 34 because their defense is just otherworldly. Um, they have the second worst offense, though. Uh, That's so, Joakim's uh, defense player of the year season, right? Uh, yeah, 2014. 2014, Joakim won the deep Um But Butler starts all his 67 games that he played, so he really kept mm-hmm. that role. Um, although his production really went down. Uh, he averaged 13 and 5 on poor efficiency. But he was a great defender, so that's why Tibbs played him. Plus, yep. the Bulls didn't really have great depth. Their their record, they played well above their record. Uh, well, well above their talent, I should say. Um, in the playoffs, the four-seeded Bulls lost to the fifth-seeded Wizards. This was like early John Wall, Brad Beal, Nene, uh, Trevor yeah, Ariza, Nene and, fight. Nene and Butler yeah, got in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they lost that in five. Butler once again averaged thirteen and five on bad efficiency, but he was at this point like a really good, really really good defender. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I have here is in the twenty fourteen off season, the Bulls add Pau Gasol, lose Carlos <laughs> Boozer, it was basically a swap, and yep. Derrick Rose is ready to play opening night. Last thing before we go on to this rise to stardom thing, Pau Gasol is one of the most underrated players of all time. Baller. I was looking into his career a little too with the Bulls trade. Wow, he is insane. We got to do a deep dub on Pau. Because you know what's interesting? Because I was looking into Pau during the... It's funny how he was on like these Bulls, these Jimmy Butler Bulls and the uh, the Spurs because I feel like they didn't get a ton of media coverage. It was all about the Heat and the Cavs and the Warriors. Of course, yeah, yeah. He was a hooping... He was, he was, he was, he was good on the Spurs he was too. He was a all-star an, in Chicago. I didn't, I didn't realize... Well, he was a two-time all-star in Chicago. I didn't realize yeah. he was hooping like an old... Like balling as an old man in no, he's uh, great. San Antonio. No, he's great. He's really good. And uh, one thing I do want to mention before I kind of start this rise to stardom, and something that I honestly like just sparked the memory in my head, is when you brought up how good of a defender he was, where he defended LeBron that whole series in 2013, there used to be this thing back in the day where they would make lists of the best LeBron stoppers in the league. Uh, especially like these were like, these lists were like crazy in, in his Miami days. So it would be like the top five players that guarded LeBron and Jimmy Butler would always be on that list as a, in his in his first three seasons. So even before he was like, before Jimmy was known to be the Jimmy we know now, he was literally known as the guy that you put on LeBron James. Do you know who else was on that list? Just out of curiosity. I think like, PG was PG, there. PG, yeah. PG was there. It was Jimmy Butler, PG. Uh, man, I'm blanking. I remember PG and Jimmy so well because I remember that's how I got on Jimmy Butler when they would call him the LeBron stopper. He was like known as like, okay, if you want to guard LeBron James, you put Jimmy Butler on him. Yeah, have like Kawhi or was that too early? I can't remember. I can't remember. I'd have All to right. look into that list. I wish I, I wish we had this conversation beforehand so I could look up that list. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, I can, Jimmy I can was known as it, that guy. I can look it up while you're doing this. Look but up the last, like 2013 best LeBron stoppers. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Butler will be there. That is such glazing on LeBron. <laughs> yeah, no, they used to like, bro, like that was because, bro, that was when LeBron was like LeBron. You know what I mean? Like nobody was averaging 28 back then but KD and LeBron. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. it was just always like, who's the best player to put on LeBron James? Yeah, so um, I mean, the, the last thing I'll say just to leave this off, I know I've been talking about the Bulls a lot and like Kirk Heinrich being a superhero. Well, that's you have but, to. It's Yeah, but the it's really like Jimmy through his thir- first three seasons was lined up to be maybe a, like a lesser Luol Deng, someone that 
was projected to be a career role player. Maybe a really Play good role and that's it. Um, yeah. A really good defender, someone that you stick on the best guy, but someone who's going to be a liability somewhat offensively. He was a really good finisher, but the man just was not uh They were trying to build him up to be efficient. Tony Allen. Yeah, I guess so. That's a great comparison, Tony Allen. They wanted Jimmy to be their Tony Allen, but on, until the offseason. Until the offseason. Now, Jimmy Butler's true rise of stardom came in his fourth season in the league. Obviously, Hoop just went through the first three. And through his first three seasons, Butler seemed to turn into what analysts believed would be the best possible case for the 30th pick in the draft. And that's, of course, just a solid starter that can provide decent scoring and defend at an elite level, but never play up to an all-star level. One thing Jimmy did show through his first three seasons, which should have foreshadowed his potential to the media, is the ability to significantly improve as each season ended, being trusted with a bigger role and not only being trusted, but showing that he was capable of living up to the role placed on him at any point. Heading into his fourth season, and this is the most Jimmy Butler thing I've ever heard in my life, and this is the first time where I'm like, of course, at the time, you wouldn't think, you would think like, this, this guy is like, okay, this guy's about it. But now you, I'm not even surprised. I wasn't surprised going back to read this because I just thought, okay, that is the most Jimmy Butler thing I've ever read in my life. It was reported that Jimmy Butler went the whole summer after his third, third season without cable or internet so that he would train more. <laughs> Butler and his friends rented a house for the summer so that they could spend time together. But he says they purposely chose to not furnish it. And Butler stated, and I quote, I wanted to be so good at the game that we didn't have cable. We didn't have the internet. He, he called it the internet. Whenever we got bored, all we would do is go to the gym. We'd eat, sleep, and go to the gym. We'd go three times a day because we didn't have anything else to do. We were sitting on the couch, looking at each other, saying, what the hell are we going to do all day? I Butler know. also... What? I want to know who was in the house with Jimmy. What they turned like into? Why are they not on NBA rosters? Yeah. <laughs> why are they not on NBA rosters? That's a great. That's a great question. Butler heading into that season also dropped twelve pounds, as he stated the season before his third season. He wasn't physically fit and he felt heavier, which caused him to be sluggish when moving. And you can kind of see that in his stats. He was much less efficient. His scoring went up, but that's only because his role went up. Uh, I think he shot below forty percent for that season. Terrible. It should also be noted that before his fourth season, which is his, obviously his rise to stardom, Butler rejected a four-year, $40 million extension from the Bulls. So he purposely put himself in a position to have a prove-them season. Butler, in the first month of this fourth season, was named the East Player of the Month, immediately showing the league he, the work he put in the offseason, averaging 21.9 points per game for the stretch, which ranked ninth in the NBA at the time, scoring-wise. And he led the Bulls to an 11-6 record, putting them first in the Central Division at the time. Butler would continue this high level of play in this fourth season, which led him to being selected to his first All-Star appearance, which was expected by the media and came to nobody's surprise, with articles saying that Butler should be making his first All-Star appearance as early as December of that season, due to him being able to play at such a high level on both offense and defense. Butler would end the season averaging 20 points per game for the first time ever in his career on 46.2% shooting, having by far the best season of his career, jumping from averaging 13.1 points per game on 39.7% shooting and earning the most improved player award that year. He had doubled the amount of points won for the award compared to the runner-up, Draymond Green. Uh, more than double, sorry. I believe he had like 530-something and Draymond was second with 200 points won. You're talking, you're talking about voting points, right? Like voting points, yeah. yeah like it was obvious yeah. he was the most improved. There was no competition. It was clear cut. Jimmy was the most improved player that year. I always like yep. to bring up like the voting numbers just to show like if there was competition or not. There yeah, was no competition. Yeah. This was also the season that Jimmy Butler was dubbed with one of the coolest nicknames in NBA history, in my opinion. Jimmy G Buckets. And the G stands for gets. It's, it's iconic. We all know it. And then Jimmy helped the Bulls clinch the third seed. But they ultimately fall to the Cavs in six. The Bulls, and I, we went over this before in the Kyrie deep dive, they were the only team to realistically give the Cavs a run for their money in the East, and it was shown that the Cavs struggled the most against Jimmy and the Bulls when going through the Eastern Conference. Can I, can I add one of the most heartwarming moments of all time, that Derrick Rose game winner yeah, after all those yeah, injuries? But I knew you were going to say that. that was I knew beautiful. you were going to say that. that was and beautiful. the no reaction, the no reaction, bro, come on. That was beautiful. I remember a quick story. I remember my dad and I were driving across the country. We were going from Nova Scotia to Winnipeg to pick up a car that we bought in Winnipeg because we just wanted to go on a road trip. 
And uh, we stopped at a hotel to watch that game. And I remember that watching that game. I watched that whole bowl series in a hotel. Me and my dad would like, cause that like through that whole series, cause it takes four days to drive to Winnipeg and then another four days back. So like, we're like stopping watching these games. Canada and I remember things. watching that on the TV. Canada, man. And I remember me and my dad watching that. It was a cool moment with my dad. But um, circling back to the point, uh, made about this season being a prove them season for Jimmy. Of course, things went his way after that season and the Bulls offered, offered him a much more attractable contract, giving him a five-year max deal which was only worth $92 million at the time. And it's crazy to compare the max contracts we have these days because $92 million now is like a role player um, for five years. But, I mean, it's, he, he got the max contract. He got what he wanted. What did LaMelo just sign for in a, in a pair of, like, uh, Elmo 250 slippers? mil, I believe. Bro, he walked, you saw that video. He walked into that office in, like, some galaxy, like, mesh shorts, it. a Hornets warm-up shirt, and some red slippers. I just see he's it. like, oh, what's up, Mitch? All right, you yeah. bet. <laughs> he signed his name. He's like, uh, Mitch, Mitch Kupchak was like, oh, oh, you aiming for a first team all NBA? He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> you aiming for MVP? Yeah, man, that too. All right, bet. <laughs> he just signed and walked away. I was like, man, that is that is crazy, bro. Yeah, Jimmy was signing a $92 million deal, and that was like a steal. I think Kyrie signed a similar deal as well. Um, wow. That that same offseason, $92 million. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's what a max contract was back in 2015 for all the, the kids who don't know about the contracts that were being given to players back then. Uh, and makes me feel old saying back then. But Jimmy in the following seasons plays up to the level expected with this sort of money. The Bulls that same offseason made no significant change, changes to the roster and just kind of hoped from, for improvement from all their players in hopes of running it back in the playoffs. Although Jimmy did have some breakout games, including a 53 bomb against the Sixers, he suffered a knee strain in the 2015-2016 season, and he missed about four weeks that season, and the Bulls missed the playoffs entirely with a 42-40 and record. This caused the Bulls to, to take a completely different direction with the roster, trading D-Rose to the Knicks, which was like one of the saddest trade reactions I've ever seen. I think we've all seen that. Are you serious? You know, ah. Hey, he, was, serious, he had eh? some cool moments on the Knicks. Yeah, but he cried because he went to the Knicks. Uh, and let, yeah. <laughs> and uh, let nah, a joke know. He, he, he cried because he left Chicago. Not of course. He I'm joking. Knicks. I'm joking. I'm making a hoop is a Knicks fan for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, but anyway, I, no, they traded... I'm not. I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm not like the others. I'm a Knicks supporter. Uh, I'm, I'm through thick and thin. The, fan, the uh, fans are fair weather. Yo, he has a lot of thick to go through. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> pause. <laughs> pause. <laughs> and obviously, they let Joakim Noah walk in free agency, bringing on guys like D Wade and Rondo creating this big three in Chicago. Hey, they don't mock that. They they were they, they had it going. Did they not? You did not just say that. They had it against Boston. Oh, yeah, okay. Let me talk about the regular season and then All what right. happened after the All first right. two games All in right. that Pelson series. Right. Let me, let me talk right. about that. How about that? Okay. <laughs> they had it going. They had it going for two games. Anyway, Jimmy would go on to have the best season yet with the Bulls, making his first ever All-NBA team, the third team. But this was not an indication on how the Bulls were doing as a team. Uh, this was the season that started the whole fallout between Jimmy and the Bulls. January of 2017, the Bulls were struggling, and this was due to locker room issues that they had. D. Wade and Jimmy Butler questioned their teammates' desire to win, which caused Rajon Rondo to blast the leadership on social media, on an Instagram post. And he stated this, and this post is still up, by the way. I have a picture screenshotted so we can like put this up on the YouTube video so people can like see the post. I went back and found this post and I'm going to read the post. It's a paragraph, bro. It's a paragraph, bro. And it's a picture of Rondo, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. And this is what Rondo fired back with saying this. Quote, unquote, my vets would never go to the media. They would come to the team. My vets didn't pick and choose when they wanted to bring it. They brought it every time they stepped in the gym, whether it was a practice or a game. They didn't take days off. My vets didn't care about their numbers. My, my vets played for the team. When we lost, they wouldn't blame us. They took responsibility and got in the gym. They showed the young guys what it meant to work. Even in Boston, when we had the best record in the league, if we lost a game, you could hear a pin drop on the bus. They showed us the seriousness of the game. My vets didn't have an influence on the coaching staff. They couldn't change the plan because it didn't work for them. I played under one of the greatest coaches, and he all held everyone accountable. It takes 1-15 to 15 to win. When you isolate everyone, you can't win constantly. I may be a lot of things, but I am not a bad teammate. My goal is to pass what I learned along. 
The young guys work, they show up, they don't deserve blame. If anything is questionable, it's the leadership. He went on Instagram and posted that. Butler was also fined for the comments he made questioning the team's desires to win. And in February 2017, Butler was rumored to be traded by the Bulls. He was in trade rumors a lot. And Jimmy publicly responded to this by stating, quote-unquote, I don't think about it because whatever is going to happen is going to happen. You can't control it. You don't make that deal. If it just so happens you get traded, you got to suit up and play for the other team. So clearly he was very nonchalant about it. He didn't care. This resulted in the Bulls just clinching a spot in the playoffs, being the eighth seed. And they go up 2-0 on the first seed at Celtics. So just as Hoop said, I thought they were doing bits. No. Rondo goes down with a season-ending injury and the Bulls go on to lose four straight and get knocked out of the first round. That following offseason, Butler admitted to being in a feud with the Bulls head coach at the time, Fred Hoiberg, and Butler's future with the Bulls was clearly in jeopardy. And then, during the 2017 NBA draft, the Bulls trade Butler to the Timberwolves for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number seven pick, which turned into Laurie Marketing. This, of course, started the short but entertaining Jimmy Butler, Timberwolves era, which Hoop is going to take a deeper dive into. Uh, before I do that, I did pull up the uh, top five LeBron stoppers. This first one here, it says, I'm confused. It says Dennis Rodman, number one. So I think this is hypothetical. But oh, this I, is a, I, yeah. But then it says, continue reading this article and more from top writers for only $9.99 a month. So I am, I, I have nothing else for that one. But I found this other one from 2018 where it says Jimmy Butler is five. This is, it says five players who dominated LeBron James one-on-one for whatever that means. I could, I could go dive deeper on Dominated Reddit LeBron later. means held them to 25 points a game. So it says Jimmy Butler, number five. It says Andre Iguodala, number four. What? Like you said, it says Kevin Durant, number three. It says Tony Parker, number two. And it fair. says Kawhi fair. Leonard, number one. Tony Parker is a fair name to put on that list. That boy was giving them heat, man. He was, sure. he was giving them buckets. Bro, you don't remember that fallen one-legged floater? <laughs> like, yeah, he's got to sneak J.J. Barea on that list at that point then. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it's just J.J. Barea. <laughs> no, shout out J.J. Barea. Bucket. Um, Why don't but, we jump uh, in the double though? Yeah, so here, here to Minnesota, it's important to note that uh, the Fred Hoiberg Coaching change happened the last season of uh, his Bulls tenure, 2017. Tibbs went over to Minnesota. And before Jimmy got there in 2017, uh, the Wolves had three 21-year-olds. They had Zach Levine, they had Andrew Wiggins, they had Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they had, like, Ricky Rubio, who was 26-27. The Timberwolves, not the Bulls. My fault, the Timberwolves. This, this is what I'm talking about. This is, like, the, the first year Tibbs was there. Um, they had Rubio, Levine, Wiggins, Cat, and Gor- Gorgie Dang. Gor- Gorgie, Gorgie Jang. Gor- Gor- Gorgie Dang. Gorgie, Gorgie Dang. Bro. <laughs> How do you say his name? Gorgie Dang, I think. Gor- Gorgie Dang. Um, however, after that season, the roster completely flipped because they had some promising young talent. Um, I forgot exactly what Wiggins was averaging, but it was, it was above 20. I think it was maybe like 22 a game. Um, and Cat was obviously very promising as well. So in the 2018 offseason, they flipped the lineup to acquire Jeff Teague. They send off Rubio for like a first-round pick. Um, Andrew Wiggins is still on the team. They trade for Jimmy Butler, um, which Saini said before. They add Taj Gibson, Carl Anthony Towns, and they have Jamal Crawford coming off the bench. They also traded for Derrick Rose at the very end of the season, who played nine games in the regular season and played the playoffs. But it's so funny how that core of, I mean, Gibson and Rose did it with uh, Tibbs in New York, too. Um, but, but, like, they all just followed Tibbs, uh, which was hilarious. In that season... Jimmy Butler, I'm not going to talk about the drama. I know people want to talk about the practice. That's what that's what saying he's going to do. This is strictly how the season went. Um, Jimmy, like, statistically looks all right. Uh, for someone who was averaging, like, 23 and a half the year before, he was only 22, 5, and 5, and two steals. Um, but this is, like, kind of misleading due to the team chemistry issues to start the season, as along with he uh, he went down with a major injury for, like, two months. In he November, also, he also was like, oh, never mind, you continue. Uh, to start the season in November, I, like I said, they had a bunch of like scoring talent, Wiggins and Cat. These were like really promising guys. And uh, Jeff Teague, 
I mean, his All Star year was 2015, so he was like pretty fresh off being what I'm pretty sure was like 17 and seven or something like that. He was he, Jeff T was real solid. In November, Jimmy was like a really pass first type player. He only shot 14 attempts per game. This is in the prime of his career. He was like 27 years old. Um, and the Wolves were 13 and 10 to start the first two months of the year. Um, he averaged 18 points per game, which is like kind of underwhelming. And he was trying to get Wiggins and Cat involved in the offense. But when this wasn't working and they were kind of like at the lower end of the playoff picture, like six, seven in the West, he's like, all right, I got to turn it up. Uh, in December, Jimmy goes score first, adds four or five more attempts per game. And in the month of December, averaged 27 a game. Uh, the Wolves were now the third seed in the West by like the, the start of the new year. Um, and they went 11 and four in December, bringing them to 24 and 14. Um, so Jimmy Butler, once he got the ball in his hands and really was the centerpiece with these other guys complimenting him as opposed to like that kind of super team dynamic, uh, the Timberwolves start to play really, really well. And they continue to play well until Jimmy Butler goes down with a right meniscus injury against the Rockets. This is February 23rd. Um, the Wolves were fourth in the West at the time with 36 and 26 record. But without Butler in those next two months, the Wolves went eight and eight. Now that can't be right. Eight and eight. Regardless, the, the time, maybe it was less than two months um, or it was the all-star break or something. By the time he got back, they were the seventh seed at 44 and 34. So they were just mid without him. Um, Jimmy played the last three games of the regular season, which he won all of them. Um, but the Wolves were an eighth seed in the playoffs that had to play the uh, like 36 points per game Harden with uh, Chris Paul. And they were the first seed and they just got smoked because Jimmy wasn't fully healthy. Cat uh, was outplayed by Clint Capella and uh, Andrew Wiggins turned into a ghost. There you have it. No one on that team averaged more than 16 points. Five guys on the Wolves were between 13 and 16 points. That just sounds the definition of tentative. Yeah. What happens when you let Thibs try to recreate the same old Bulls team that didn't work in Minnesota? Take a wild guess. Well, no, that's a that's a diss because the Bulls were take tough. A you you heard what, what I said. What happens when you take the same Derek, old Bulls Derek, team? So be quiet. No, 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 no. Because Derrick Rose, this is 2013. I just said it. With Kirk Heinrich going down, I understand that could be on Tibbs. Luol Deng gets a, a bad shot from the hospital, and he, his life is in danger. That was without Derrick Rose. They could have really done something with Derrick Rose that season. So I'm not going to say the, the Bulls were complete. But it's the, it's the old Bulls team now in 2018. You're trying to recreate them in Minnesota. You're trying to recreate the old Bulls team in Minnesota. You're telling me Taj Gibson and Derrick Rose. and hey, Come on. Come on. All right. Come on, Tibbs. Come on, Tibbs. Anyway, four days after the season ended for Minnesota, after getting knocked out in the first round, it was clear that it was clear to Jimmy that the Timberwolves were nothing without him, and he told Tibbs that he wanted out. He didn't want to sit around and wait for the young guys to mature faster, and he was the only like top fifteen, top twenty player in the league at the time that wasn't in a stable situation and had no playoff success. So it was fair for Jimmy to want a new situation that could actually lead to winning. The team, the Timberwolves, were a mix of a bunch of guys not on the same page, with dudes like Jimmy who were win now and to get it motiv- and get and motivated to get it done at any cost, to guys like Cat and Wiggins who were seen as much more laid back. It was clear that Wiggins and Cat weren't on the same page as Jimmy, and he even took a sneak jab at both of their work ethics in a, and he's done this multiple times. But one specific example is in a post-game interview after Game Four versus the Rockets, stating, "quote unquote." I put too much, I put so much, sorry, into this game, and I only play to win. I don't play for any individual stats or accolades, and at times I get lost in how everybody is not the same way I'm built. If you know Jimmy Butler, you know about the infamous event that took place on October 10th, 2018, when Jimmy Butler pulled up to the Wolves practice. I got got to sneak in something before, because during the season, I don't know if you were going to say this eventually, when he went down with that injury, Jimmy, with the right meniscus thing, when he was getting treated, he walked out back to the tunnel to call Cat a pussycat. Like, I, I, it's a, it's a official report. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 
So you're, you're talking about sneak jabs. Like he was like, nah, like he just didn't care. Yeah, he would yeah. say stuff. Like he hated. Yeah. Like it was obvious that him and Cat and Wiggins were not meshing well together. And fair enough, when you're that talented and you're not putting in that much effort to win, I would be pissed too if I'm Jimmy. And, and he was upset because they are so they have so much raw talent, bro. Andrew Wiggins exactly. is compared to Kobe. Cat At one point, is yeah. The Cat is not the greatest shooter of all time, but he has the tools to be the greatest shooter of all time. He has better. He probably has better touch from outside than Dirk, but he's not as he's just he's not. Dirk. I mean, he you know self I mean? proclaims that he's the greatest big man shooter of all time. But but that's off of raw talent that he doesn't use to produce much. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like he is yep. extremely talented, but and yep. from coming from someone like Jimmy, who was a 30th overall pick, very raw, that had to work to that stature, he's like, you have this and you won't do any work. Like that's why I'm so upset. So uh, uh, you you go into the practice. Jimmy pulled up to the Wolves practice for only one hour only to completely trash on the team executives and the players in front of them. Jimmy didn't show up to a single practice during the offseason, and he pulled up three days into training camp. You mentioned he was the trade request, the right? Because he did request a trade. Yeah, he requested a trade four days after the offseason, four days after the season ended. Yeah, so this is, out. yeah, yeah. And they're not yeah. giving him it. Like, they, they, didn't, they didn't trade him at, the, at yep. this point. So yep. he shows up three days into training camp, and he was off to the side by himself stretching when Tibbs called for scrimmage. Jimmy jumped up and started screaming, I'm playing. Tibbs then tried to pair Jimmy with the starters, but he said he wouldn't play with those guys, and he opted to play with the players who weren't going to make the team so that he could be guarding Cat. Jeff Teague, who I'm going to quote here a lot, gives a lot of insight on what it was like to be at that practice, and he recently came out and said this, so this might come across as new information to a lot of viewers, because Jeff Teague has his own pod, or he was on a podcast, he was talking about this, I'm not sure if it was his own podcast or a guest, um, but I know he has one now, it's super dope. And Jeff Teague said this, and I quote, Time runs out, they win, they beat us like 18-6, and Jimmy's going crazy. Y'all think that team can win without me? Pay me, pay me. Mind you, he ain't took off his Jordan warm-up yet. He finally takes it off. He's got the Timberwolves shirt on, and he cut the Minnesota out of it, so it's just his chest. He cut the Minnesota out of his shorts, so it's just shorts. He out here in the middle of his, he out here with a hole in the middle of his shirt in the middle of his leg. Butler's team then beat the second unit. While the starters watched from the sideline, Butler ran into the locker room. The starters then took it to the second unit the next game. Teague states, We beat him. We all run into the locker room like, Jimmy, bring your ass back out. We want to play again. Jimmy gone. Jimmy at home. <laughs> the way you said that's so, like, reporter-like. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what he said exactly. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. I know what you're talking about. I know you're talking the team about. then went through practice and saw Butler's interview with Rachel Nichols right after the practice. And Teague states <laughs> it was one of the most iconic moments he's ever been a part of in basketball. In the interview with Nichols, is that how I saying her name right? Rachel Nichols, it, right? Ra- Rachel Nichols. Nichols. No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not it's Canadian. Nichols. What are you talking? It's Nichols. Oh, it's Nichols? Okay, what? I'm just making sure. You took I'm just making serious? sure. I'm just making sure. I haven't heard about her in like years ever since she got fired from ESPN. Anyway, she asked Jimmy about how he was loud, emotional, passionate, target, target, and these are words she said. Now, I'm not, these are specific words she said. Targeting Tibbs, Cat, and Wiggins, and that he told the GM, you effing need me. Jimmy followed up by saying, a lot of it is true. He then goes on to say he loves the game and he loves to compete and all of his emotion came out at one time. He said it wasn't the right way to do it, but it was him being purely honest. He didn't think it was okay, but he was brutally honest. And he thinks it's a problem everyone is so scared to be honest. He, he said the word honest a lot in this interview. He said that players should have come up to him and said don't do that and he wouldn't have taken offense. He also said, he was, he also said all he was doing out there was competing. And Nichols asked if he would be back at practice the next day and that the relationship with the Bulls was now fixed because he showed up to practice. You mean Timberwolves? The Wolves, same thing. You, I just thought you said Bulls, my fault. No, 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 the Wolves, sorry. I guess I see where you would think, think it's the name. My fault, my fault. Jimmy basically says he sees why people think it's fixed. He's on live TV right after the practice. But straight up confirmed his relationship with the Wolves isn't fixed and that it could be, but he doesn't think the relationship was fixed and he was just being honest. He ended the interview apologizing, but that's just how he felt. About after a month of the of the uh, after the infamous practice took place, Butler officially gets traded to the 76ers on November 12, 2018, in exchange for Jared Bayless, Robert Cummington, Dario Saric, and a 2022 second-round pick. The Sixers also got Robert Patton in the deal. 
This was the beginning of another short but crucial chapter in Jimmy's career with the 76ers. Now, I'm going to quickly skim over the Sixers' regular season as I don't think it was that important to Jimmy's career. Hoop's going to go into like a much deeper dive when it comes to like the follow. I'm going to go over the playoff run as well a little. Um, but from a blind's eye view, Jimmy may look like he had a down year in Philly, averaging only 18 with the team. But you also have to take into account that the same Philly team had everybody on that starting lineup averaging double digits. Like J.J. Redick was out here having a career year. I'm not dissing on J.J. Redick, but I'm just saying like, Everybody was shooting the ball in Philly. Everybody had the rock in their hands. And then there was a clear number one option in Joel Embiid, and he averaged like 27. There's only one ball on the court, and when you have that many scorers, like what, that, that lineup was Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Well, and they uh, it was originally, was it Rocco? I, I saw Wilson Chandler also had some time, but they traded for Tobias Harris at the deadline. So they had Jimmy. Right. I mean, Jimmy came in maybe uh, 10, 20 games into the season. And then they got Tobias even, and it's funny you say that because I'm going to mention something in a, where Jimmy Butler called out. Um, of course. I'll just say, say it now. He called out Brett Brown for not giving him enough touches. And then he adds Tobias Harris to the team. So it's like it just further adds to the yeah. issue of like there's just only one ball, you know. Exactly. And and that's why I say like to the blind's eye, like if you, if again, if you're new to basketball and that's a big reason why we do these deep dives, you, you might think, oh, Jimmy just had a bad year in Philly. No, there was genuinely just one ball. Now, Philly had a relatively successful season with the addition of Butler, having him join the team 13 games into the season, I believe. They finished with a record of 51-31, and 31, which was good enough for third in the East. Had their way with the Nets in the first round, beating them in five. We all know the infamous Jared Dudley, Ben Simmons beef. Um, and they ultimately lose in seven to the Raptors, which had the infamous Kawhi shot. Uh, they're basically anybody you ask will tell you that Philly would have went on to win that series if Kawhi doesn't make that shot, which I believe Jimmy Butler has a very clutch game seven layup. Uh, that people don't talk about. It's the only reason that the Raptors were in a position to need to hit a game winner. But he hits the shot, and we see Jimmy Butler for the last time in a Sixers jersey. Now, other than the playoff run, Jimmy's year in Philly on the court wasn't too crazy. Again, there wasn't enough touches to be given around. The follow is where things get interesting, as Hoop is going to go over now. And this kind of sparks the idea that Jimmy is a now seen as a locker room cancer. Well, I mean, that idea was floated around in... But but now it's like it's, it's like a, now it's, it's like a, yeah bro, it's like I guarantee it's because like, bro, two teams it's like okay right. maybe it's like back to back situations that didn't work it was the same head coach and Tibbs like okay maybe something's going on right but then when you go to Philly and then Hoop's gonna go into more detail I'll, I'll let Hoop take over yes I mean I mentioned before with uh, the Brett Brown thing it says or it, it says he uh, like in the, these words were used in the article he aggressively challenged Brett Brown over his role in the offense and called him out during a film session. So this was like in front of everyone. This was after he was only averaging 14 shots a game to start the Butler era in Philadelphia. And I don't blame, like as someone who is that good, um, and he was only averaging 22 in, in uh, Minnesota, but there was a stretch where he was averaging 27 a game. This is a guy where if he really needed to, we, we know he doesn't care about his stats or being an all-star or anything. If he really wanted to, dude could average 26 for like a five, six-year stretch. But here he is averaging 18 because... It's just in the role of the offense. I'll be honest. Like, it's really hard to take away shots from J.J. Redick when he's taking 10 threes a game on 40%. Like, the team was, oh, he was just a real... bucket that bro, year, bro. J.J. The team, was fire. The team was just really stacked. Um, yeah. And, like, like Redick was really, really good that year. So it's hard to, you know, kind of... It's almost like there's just too many people on the team. Um, But nothing happened after that meeting. He just he stayed averaging 14 shots a game. Um. After, once again, I mentioned when Tobias Harris got added to the team, it didn't, uh, shots weren't going up anytime soon. Uh, you also mentioned the ejection in game four of round one against the Nets after Jared Dudley pushed yep. Joel Embiid. Yep. Now, this this was kind of like a good thing for the media. It showed that he was a good teammate because he was talking trash to Dudley after he pushed Embiid. Um, and that's something that, you know, wasn't really shed on Jimmy in, in other situations uh, that he's standing up for his teammates as opposed to calling them out. In the 2019 offseason, Jimmy was open to returning to the 76ers. A lot of this is based on a, a J.J. Redick podcast that Jimmy was on, which is probably really interesting. Um, he was interested in returning to the 76ers, but someone in the front office asked the question to like a, a coach or another, probably coach assistant, could you control Jimmy? Like that That's a question that was asked, and it got out, um, which got Jimmy very upset, like, He's a he's an animal. Can you control Jimmy? Jimmy also asked Brett Brown for more ball handling opportunities in that altercation beforehand, and they were 
all of a sudden pushed on him in the playoffs um, when Ben was like the sole ball handler in the regular season. It was just kind of a last second adjustment that kind of threw everyone off. And Jimmy was kind of upset that like it just happened to happen at that point. when it was like, you know, your most desperate situation as opposed to listening to him earlier, which also threw him off. Um, reports came out and said that Jimmy denied a five-year, $190 million offer from the Sixers, but he was never offered that at all. In fact, Tobias Harris, who played a lot worse in the playoffs and just was not as established as a star, got that money easily. So the, the Philly front office just did not like Jimmy Butler. Um, so eventually he was signed and traded to the Heat. Uh, there was a four-team deal, I believe, to like free up some space. It would include, it's kind of boring. But Hassan Whiteside went to the Blazers, Josh Richardson to the Sixers, Mo Harkless in a first to the Clippers, and Myers Leonard to the Heat. Butler got a four-year, $186 million extension to the Heat. And this was like another questionable decision considering he was leaving a contender saying, you know, I only want to win to a team where he's getting paid well. But the roster initially looks mid. And that's where I... That's where I lead to you. Thought that was pretty clean. And then we talk about, I sorry, I, I pulled out a banter question. I thought of a banter question. I had to pull out some names for you on the spot, and We're I'm going to ask you at the minutes, end. But yeah, go no, no, no. It's it's going to be quick. I just want right. to. It's going to be something I ask at the end because I know we don't have really any banter. But obviously, we're now leading into the Miami years, and Jimmy signing with Miami came as a surprise for everybody because at the time it made no sense to what Jimmy, to what we thought Jimmy wanted. Miami was in no position to be a contender when Jimmy signed. And we did not see Jimmy as like Lathanos, that type of player, where he could just lead a team deep in the playoffs every year. With the media clowning the move, saying he should have never, le never left Philly and he'll never see success, Stephen A. Smith, cough, cough. Clearly, Jimmy clearly saw something in that heat culture that everyone else failed to see. Miami had plus 6,000 odds to win the ring heading into that season, which ranked 14th in the league, showing that you know, the narrative around Miami was that they were just a mid-team. In the regular season, they showed that they were a mid-team too. They, they finished placing fifth in the East with a 44-29 and 29 record and didn't even do that good in the eight games they got in the bubble going 3-5 and five in that stretch. The most people expected out of that Miami team was that they would get bounced in the second round as they had a weak matchup with the Pacers in the first round. Was that rookie year BAM or is that second year BAM? Second year BAM. Because I know they got Hero too. That was just a very young team. No, Hero was his rookie year. Bam could have been... No, I think Bam was in his se second, third year at that point. He got drafted with De'Aaron Fox, I believe, I'm gonna, in 2017. I'm going to look it up. You keep going. Bam got drafted in 2017, I believe. But Miami, as we all know, sweep the Pacers with ease, even though Jimmy didn't have an eye-popping series. And I'm going to bring up a lot of numbers here, which I usually don't like to do, but there's good reason for that, and I'll explain after. Game one, he goes for 28 on 53%. Game two, 18 on 38.5%. Game 3, 27 on 31.3%. And Game 4, 6 points on 40% shooting. No one really cares, though, as Miami makes easy work of the Pacers and they move on to play the Eastern Conference favorites, the Milwaukee Bucks. Game 1 of the Bucks series, Jimmy and the Heat shock the world. Jimmy puts up 40 on 65% shooting and the Heat beat the Bucks. Game 2, Jimmy has an off night putting up 13 on 37.5%. But despite the lackluster game, the Heat still pull off a win and they go up 2-0. Game 3 rolls around and the Heat win again. Jimmy goes off for 30 on 53.8% shooting and Miami takes the life out of Milwaukee at this point. They're up 3-0 on them. Milwaukee bounces back Game 4, but the Heat go on to end the series in 5. Jimmy scores 17 in both Game 4 and Game 5. Miami moves on to play Boston and at this point, the hype around Miami is real. They go on to beat Boston in 6 and they move on to the NBA Finals. Surprisingly enough, Jimmy doesn't have a single game where he scored 25 or more that series and honestly shot the ball below average outside of game one. Game one, he went seven for 14. But other than that, it was like a few decent games and then like pretty poor shooting performances. And the reason I say a lot of these numbers, which I know we try not to get into as much with these episodes, is because I feel like as well as he played, Jimmy gets way too much credit for what the Heat did as a whole. It was not just Jimmy, which is what we like to see it as because of the pictures with him not shaving his beard and he's out here doing Bro, it's, fair it's enough. The, he was a dog. He was a dog. I'm not it's saying the he one wasn't. against uh, the Lakers when he's like on the, where he's on like the, yeah, on the thing. Yeah. And people just had this narrative where it's like Jimmy carried the heat, the whole playoff run and blah, blah, blah. He was the number one option. And he was definitely one of the biggest factors, if not the biggest factor. I agree with that 100%. And if there was somebody to win a finals MVP, 
if the Heat won, it would be Jimmy Butler. But he wasn't like insane. It wasn't like eye-popping games. There was a few like that 40-point game against the Bucks and the 30-point game as well in that same series. Boston, he didn't really have a very noticeable game. Again, the well, highest he scored was 24. The finals, he played great. And I'll talk about the finals in a sec. But the run leading up to their finals, it wasn't the Jimmy Butler show. And I don't know why we see it as the Jimmy Butler show. And I think it's legitimately just because of the memes with like him with the patchy beard and people want to be like, oh, he's him. He's that dog, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. it's it's a clear like media pushing and overrating yeah, what I gonna... believe was was not a 2018 LeBron situation where he genuinely took a bunch of scrubs, no disrespect to the 2018 Cavs, to the finals. No, it was Jimmy and the Heat being underdogs as a whole and showing the league that they could all hoop as a whole. Well, let's, let's also talk about, um, first off, Goran Dragic was, was insane. Incredible. Tyler Hero had his little, oh my gosh, the white Michael Jordan type yeah. run. This, Bam this Adebayo is. had an incredible block against Jason Tatum, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, Game one. But, bro, Gore, I think uh, I've heard Heat fans say that Goran was the best player for a couple series. Yeah. Boston series is a great one to look at. And the Pacers won even. Bro, he had six in game in game four. He had six points. We got to be objective. Sorry, sorry, Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And and again, I said Jimmy was the best player on that team for sure. As yeah, a whole. yeah. But it was the Heat. It wasn't the Jimmy. It was in, the Heat. In terms of outplaying yourself, like a bunch of other Heat players outplayed themselves. Yes, as opposed of course. To Jimmy and it's the same idea as this series name. too. Yeah. And I feel like we tend to have that same idea with the Heat. When they do good, we only look at Jimmy. But. Jimmy, in his first season with the Heat, he takes him to the NBA Finals, where he played the best series he played that whole playoff run. He was insane that Finals run. I'll give him that. He really did, like, because that was when Dragic got injured. Bam got injured, right? Ultimately, he came up short against LePodcat, LeBron James, and the Lakers. Um, now, although they didn't get the job done, the Heat basically showed the basketball world that they were a threat in the East for the next few seasons to come, and that narrative around them was utter BS. They were a contending basketball team. And if anything, I still believe that they're like a Damian Lillard piece away from being like a finals win. I think that the Heat have a lot to offer. I really like them. And this is going to lead to my first banner question, which is coming late. I know we're 57 minutes in, but obviously the 2011 draft had a lot of big names. And I'm going to name off the top three names outside of Jimmy Butler. And I want you to tell me who you're taking Jimmy Butler over. So this is kind of kind of give us an idea because everybody else outside of it is like Tobias Harris and stuff. Clearly, you're taking Jimmy over Tobias and like Vucevic. Right? Tobias like, Harris over me? Yeah, like I'm not even going to mention Tobias them. Harris over me? But we're going to name these three names and I'm going to go in order of least to best in my opinion. And you tell me who you take Jimmy over. Clay Thompson. Oh, just off the spot? Yep. Yeah, you take Jimmy over Clay. Kyrie. We're saying in the draft situation? We're saying, yeah, you don't know that Kyrie's going to bring the problems. Basketball player. You want to win. Out of the draft, or do I know what this guy is going to no, be? No, you know, the, like, the peaks. Like, the, like the, you know, like, they're playing. No, I'm taking Kyrie, but I, I, no, I take Jimmy. And then Kawhi. Kawhi. Come on. So you would, so Come in a on. redraft, knowing how their careers would pan out, not the vaccine stuff or anything, just as a basketball yeah, player, yeah. Their, contribu contrib their contribution to winning, I'm saying that word wrong, contribution to winning, contribution. Their contribution to winning. So your draft order would go Kawhi one. So Kawhi to the Cavs. I don't know who's the second pick in the 2011 draft. Jimmy second, Kyrie third, Clay fourth. Yeah, and that's not a diss on Kyrie. I just of think it isn't. in this era, um, those like kind of, I don't want to say all in one players, but that playmaking piece is like a big one. Um, <laughs> and even knowing that, because I feel like Jimmy left a lot of, you could say Kyrie left a lot on the table, which he did. Jimmy also left a lot on the table. I feel like, the late Chicago years could have gone different. The Minnesota year could have gone different if he was around the right talent if, if, or whatever. If Cat and Wiggins were just like, it's, yeah. So there's a lot that he left. I mean, Clay, unfortunately, is the the dead, dead last. I think he's a, a tier below everyone else. Um, okay. But uh, to say that Kyrie is the third, I don't think is disrespectful. I just think it's an analysis of his game. I think if he was a better playmaker, it'd be more interesting. Um, but Jimmy Butler is, is someone that uh, has like, led like his leadership ability cannot go underestimated Kawhi is not bro Kawhi. yeah Kawhi's Kawhi. Kawhi's Kawhi is Kawhi Kawhi proved he's he's gotten two rings and it was yeah no yeah I we can't the Kawhi, I, I just put Kawhi's name in there just to put his name in there um 
but yeah, I mean, that's all I have for my end. I don't know if you have anything you want to end off with, but. Well, I mean, I have a whole nother segment. Of, oh, uh, shoot. We have to Miami. Th- I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish yeah, off with the Miami. Uh, I thought, there. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I was talking about the Miami scene for so much in the bubble. I genuinely thought I was back in 2020. Like I was just reminiscing about the bubble so much. <laughs> I was like, that's the last year. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, man, 2020 was a good 2K. That was that was, was so, a... my God. I was just reminiscing so hard, dude. And that was I before like... I started TikTok. So that was before I like, I was, I was strictly just happy for Bell basketball. Now Hoop emotionally <laughs> abuses me when we get down playing. I'm like, just... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I started TikTok in October of 2021. Um, so around, really? yeah. No, yeah. I started... I started May of 2021. So you started. Uh, sorry, no, October of 2020. 2020. My fault. My I was going to say, you were My around. Fault. I remember when I started, you were there. Yeah, yeah. October of 2020. So I was like the last thing because the, the 2020 finals went late. I was like, the last thing I was covering was uh, the like the last finals when Danny Green or LeBron passed yeah. out of a shot to Danny Green. I remember that was yeah. one of my first videos. Yeah. Um, but going into like the next two years, um, I have a titles is ups and downs. Uh, the Heat lost Drajic. I forget why, but I was really upset because he was like literally 20 a game in the bubble um, in the playoffs. He went to the Nets, I believe. Yeah. Oh, that, that three-guard lineup with Steve Nash. Uh, but in, in 2021, the, the Heat kind of got titled as the bubble guppies for a good reason. I mean, they were 40 and 32, a sixth seed. The Tyler Hero stuff was like corny at that point. Um, you know, Bam was good, but Bam was not going to be this like generational big man. Um, Jimmy was a solid Jimmy, not someone that's, you know, 27 a game, very aggressive, but he's just kind of regular season doing a little bit of everything, but nothing like takeover type stuff. Um, and in the first round of the playoffs, they got swept by the Bucks. Jimmy shot 30% from the field. Uh, that was awful. So kind of just a forgotten season and one that it should be held against i mean he played really really bad at the same time it's also worth noting that the bubble definitely did uh, i don't want to it's not a fake ring because everyone played under the same circumstances but to say that hero and other players like duncan robinson or whoever is hot in that stretch is supposed to be as good the next season it's there's definitely some like sophomore slump to that um because when you're that hot it's hard to stay that hot when people can adjust to you um, but in 2022, the Heat added Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker to starters. They finished as the first seed in the East, 53-29. and 29. I'm pretty sure that was a really tight race that year. Um, Jimmy averaged 27 a game in the playoffs on much better efficiency, leads the Heat to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, Jimmy missed a three that would have gave the Heat a chance for the Finals. Would they have beaten the Warriors? That's a tall task, but they were right there. Um and I'm pretty sure after the interview, he said we'd be back. And then they were back. So. Shout out to him. Shout out to him. He's like one of the few players yeah. who would say something and actually went and did it. So I respect Shout it. Jimmy. When when the odds were against them, too. I'm going to remember. I mean, I, I swear that this was a horrible NBA Finals. But the fact that I remember watching the play-in against the Hawks, I mm. believe. Mm-hmm. They they uh-huh. lost, like, convincingly. Yeah, And there bro. was like, oh, yeah, man, bro. they're done. They're in the finals? Yeah, and nah, I, that, I, I, I had big to ups watch to them. them. Oh my gosh. They big stole... ups to Jimmy, bro. I uh was getting really excited when Milwaukee lost and I saw that the Knicks had a favorable matchup compared to Milwaukee. And then I, they I, they took our spot in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was our spot. Such a weird brand. That's and, and it's crazy. Like now that you think about it in retrospect, like it was only a few months ago. But that's wild to think about. Like, I remember watching really... that clear as day. I feel like it was yesterday. Literally. I remember watching it in the subway. I was coming home from the gym. I sat in the subway and watched the whole game. And then I left because I was like, this game's over. Wait, you have subways in Nova Scotia? Are you mean the, Oh, the... get out of here, no, 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 no. Be... Hold on. Subway as in underground train or as in sandwich? Sandwich. Sandwich. <laughs> When you, I'm, a, I'm from New York, so you say subway. Oh, no. I'm like, like, what do you know. mean do I have a subway? What, what do you think? We live in the desert? Like, what the <laughs> What do you think? Canada is the North Pole. Dog, That's what it is. Dog, dog. <laughs> I think Santa's bringing our, our milk in a plastic bag every few... <laughs> well, this is a fun way to end the episode. This is a great one. Man, I love these deep dives. They're like the highlight of my week. I don't make content on the TikTok side of things because it's an off-season. I want to take some time off from, like, 
screaming in a mic. Uh, I know you don't, um, which I respect. <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, to keep my sanity with basketball, I, I took some time off for everybody who's wondering why I'm not posting. Uh, but I still love doing the podcast and the deep dives because this is a, we get to show a little bit of a professional side, right? Yeah. But um, we appreciate you guys for listening again. This was a really fun episode. We do see all the critiques about doing a historical player, and that's coming. We're going to start doing more historical guys, deep dives. Um, we appreciate you guys sticking around. We've been getting consistent views, meaning that we're keeping the same audience around, which is so dope to see. If you're taking time out of your day to listen to our show, we hope that the time you spend was spent good. We hope it was worthy of the time you spent. Uh, I hope so. Please I make sure, so. please make sure to again interact with the episodes by interacting on Spotify or rating us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, commenting on YouTube, and also subscribing. I think we had two K subscribers, which was really dope to see. Um, I, 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 I it just hit two K, so I don't know if somebody unsubbed. I'd have to go check, uh, <laughs> but which is why I'm saying it, I think. Uh, but it's super awesome. We appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys for putting us in this position. And who to say? But if not, yeah, this was a great no, episode. The last, I mean, we're talking about critiques. It would be hilarious, right? We're talking completely factual and objective the whole episode. If we snuck in like one small piece of misinformation so that when they go to talk about like the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals, it's like, oh, you remember that game where Kirk Heinrich played 60 minutes? What do you mean? He was hurt. Uh, Kirk Heinrich you know did what? play 60 minutes. But that, how for the wrong? young... For the young generation that's watching these episodes or listening and don't know about, you know, old ba- older <laughs> basketball, um, make sure to tell your friends Kirk Heinrich played 60 Minutes when they ask you who, Kai- who Kirk he, Heinrich he is. He did, he did. And the, la- you the last tell thing them, I'll Captain say... Captain Kirk was there for 60 Minutes. How long were you on an NBA court for? And uh, I should be like, yo, Trevor Reza dropped 50 in the playoff game. But, uh, <laughs> the, but no, the last thing, because I, I do remember seeing this. I didn't write it down. But uh, in like game four of that, uh, the next year, Mike D- Dunleavy, had 35 on 8 of 10 three-point shooting. Thought that was interesting. Boat. I know. When I say dog, right? When he said Dunleavy's name, I said dog. Everybody knows Dunleavy was a dog. In the Pacer days, oh my God. What do you know oh, about yeah. Mike Dunleavy, bro? <laughs> That's all I got to say. Mike Dunleavy deep dive coming next week, JK. All right, thank you for listening. <laughs> Have a great week, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.